0: In a world of questions, two nerds with microphones make up the answers and discuss the intersection of faith and everyday life. This is Kelly. This is Adam. Welcome to the Cross Culture. Yay! Yay! Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. I have, I have something for that.
1: Thank you, thank you. <laughs> thank you, we are worth that. <laughs> you better be clapping, listeners. <laughs> on today's episode... The fix is in. Mm.
0: Y'all, context. Adam is not a happy camper today. This this was like we were talking. I was I was I call him on my way into the office. Yeah, and he uh, he is very motivated today. I am, I <laughs> this am, conversation.
1: I am lit today. It still I, sounds old when you say it. I know it does. Ah. <laughs> oh. So, today we're talking about the college football playoffs. Bum, bum, bum. (laughs) And uh, so, this week, the uh, CFP, as it is called, released its first rankings for the year. And I told myself going in, I was going to be angry if a one loss big school named Alabama was in the top four because they have a loss to an unranked school. They don't have any serious quality wins. And lo and behold, Alabama is not in the top four. (laughs) They're
0: in the top 50%. (laughs) They are number two.
1: Number two! They are ranked above five undefeated teams.
0: That is a problem.
1: And they have a bad loss on their record. And they haven't looked great in their wins. And all this does to me is make me once again realize, and once again just want to rage against the machine, bonus points if you get the reference, about how unjust about how rigged, about how wickedly evil and inequitable the system is.
0: Yeah, so uh, I didn't realize this. That loss is recent. Oh, yeah. That's not even like early in the year. So Michigan State is like on an eight-win streak because they haven't lost.
1: Yeah, and uh, they have a win against the top 10 school.
0: Oregon has... is. Three straight wins, and then we'll talk... You and I will talk a little bit about Ohio State and Cincinnati, but Cincinnati's undefeated.
1: Cincinnati is undefeated, but Cincinnati doesn't have a brand name like Alabama.
0: Well, they have Michael Jordan on their basketball jerseys. (laughs) I mean, nobody has the branding that Oregon has. I mean, I feel like you could see those things from the surface of the sun.
1: (laughs) Okay, but I mean, like... So what I believe is that the, the fix is in, Alab- and, and now here's the narrative, Alabama must be in the championship playoff because Alabama must be in the championship playoff. Like, this is literally the narrative every single year that, well, no, Alabama deserves to be in because Alabama deserves to be in. And I was listening to the radio this morning driving in, and I'm you, lucky I didn't drive off the road. <laughs> and i'm listening to the radio and the local espn affiliate which is we're not kelly and i are not in alabama territory here like this isn't alabama country this is this is not where where it's not well i guess it's a little bit sec country because of a&m but not like this is not a space where you'd expect alabama homerism and yet the local espn affiliate was arguing that Alabama should be in the should be ranked number two even if they 'd had two losses. so what we are saying is that the bar for Alabama is don 't lose two times and you 're in the playoff whereas the bar for a team like Cincinnati, which comes from a call we call it group of five conference, which means that they 're not the important people, but the bar for for the ceiling for Cincinnati is. You have to win every game, and you have to win every game by 40 points. And it doesn't matter that you went to a top-10 ranked school that is not in your conference, and you played them on the road where they haven't lost a game for three years, and you won by double digits. That doesn't matter.
0: Well, I think, and so... uh... I don't pay attention to college football and a lot of it is because of reasons like this. It's also, um, and we'll talk about this later as the conversation evolves on, um, I'm a big believer of the sacredness of the competition. Yeah. Anything that impedes upon the competition is a problem and it, and it cheapens the sport. It cheapens the spirit of what we're doing. Right. And so, uh, what's fascinating to me is my limited knowledge on, you know, the, the CFP, uh, is that the criteria in which people are measured at is not consistent.
1: No, it's an ever-changing...
0: And it benefits very specific teams. Absolutely. And that's a problem. So when you have, like, Alabama, and so something Adam and I were discussing when I was driving in today was... Excuse me. um, So, like, for me, like, I'm like, okay. So it's not even about where the team ends up ranked at the end of the year. It's about what happens in the game... And where they're ranked at that moment, Alabama's loss was to an unranked opponent. Yeah. Okay. Now they were number one in the nation before that game, and I go, so, you know, and then the unranked team who was who? Texas A and M, the Aggies. So they now they're now ranked. Yeah. So so A and M. So they only ranked the top twenty five teams. So A and M goes up
1: like fourteen spots. Or like whatever it was, right? What did they What did they crack after they beat um, Alabama? They They were in the top twenty after they beat Alabama, and then they've won a couple of more since then. Right. So they have two losses. But my point is, is like they moved up like eight spots. Yeah.
0: Or wherever, because I don't even know where they were ranked before that game, in but, the top fifty wise.
1: Oh yeah, they don't do the top fifty. So. Right. Right.
0: Right. So so for me, I'm like so then Alabama should move just as many spots down. Number one. Number right. two. Like. If you if you lose, if you are the number one ranked school in the country or you're in the top 25 and you lose to an unranked team, we're not even talking like outside the top 10. We're not even talking in the top 20. We're talking about you are an unranked team. To me, that's a death blow to your college football playoffs. You, you are at this point, unless everybody has the same thing happen to them throughout the year. Yeah. But what we're seeing is not only has that not happened to everybody this year, there are teams that have put together better body of work. And by what the NCAA classifies, and I don't even know if it's the NCAA, it's it's whatever this committee is, classifies as quality wins and quality of schedule. Multiple teams that are not in the top four had better quality wins, have better records, and had better quality of schedule to Alabama. And Alabama lost to an unranked team. And they're number two.
1: And they're number two. So for for those of you who haven't seen, so the the rankings currently are undefeated Georgia at number one. Who should be there. They should be there. That makes sense. One loss Alabama. Alabama is 7-1. and They're number two. Undefeated Michigan State, who last weekend beat number seven Michigan, at home, or well, at I mean, home. those are
0: home games for
1: either team. Either team. Yeah, it was, it was a home game for Michigan State, but they, they came back and they won this rivalry game. They're 8 0, and they're number three. Uh-huh. Number four is Oregon. Oregon has a bad loss to Stanford, which is a, a sub 500 team, <laughs> but Oregon also has a win on the road at Ohio State.
0: Yeah, but I'm still like for me like even when you say that I'm like Ohio State should be replacing Oregon. Yeah, but the right Ohio now state schedule is way worse, and they didn't lose to
1: lose to Stanford.
0: <laughs>
1: Andrew Luck's not at Stanford anymore. <laughs> friends. But like,
0: but like Oregon beat Ohio State, so they can't like move up them. I'm like, but
1: Oregon lost to Stanford, right? So number five is Ohio State, who has one loss at home to Oregon, and it looked ugly. Number six, number six, is Cincinnati. 8-0. Who's eight and O. Who's eight and O. And has beaten number ten Notre Dame on the road. Which,
0: by the way, is Notre Dame's only loss on
1: the year. Which is and they Notre have a Dame's, tough schedule too. And Notre Dame has Poor a Notre tough Dame. schedule, right? And so, and and why people are, are dissing Cincinnati? Is the two most recent games they didn't win either of them by forty points. They won one, thirty-one to twelve, and that's not good enough.
0: So who, against
1: who? Against like Tulane. Uh, they were not a good team. Yeah, but um, still,
0: like it's it's I. <sighs> so I propose this to Adam. I this is my whole grand scheme of, and I, and then I want us to start to dig into the other topics. But, um, the way you fix this, in my opinion. Right, and I think this is a good primer for the next part of our conversations, right, is I think you should take two, the top two schools from each
1: conference. Okay, so and that would give you 20. If you, if you go from huh? the Power Five and the Group yes. of Five, yes. that gives you 20.
0: Yes, because then you shorten the regular season, and what you do is, uh, because, and I, and I said this to Adam on hand, every professional sport does this. Playoffs, like, your divisional games, your inner division, your inner conference games are the most important games. It doesn't mean that, like, going you want to lose when you go somewhere else, but this means, like, what who Alabama is playing in their conference, and we would both agree that, like, Alabama probably still ends up in the top two, but we're not having this conversation. Right. Right, and so then you also have other representation of other conferences because y- – Every, everybody's going now they might get slaughtered fine, but they might not because Alabama lost to an unranked football team. That doesn't, that might mean in the playoffs they play like they might be one of the higher seeds. And that's how you, that's where I think you do all this other stuff where you kind of rank the seating, but then Alabama, like they've already shown this year that they can lose to a surprise team. Yeah. And then they're done. And so you, so for me, like it, it, I believe that that, like, makes the competition better. It brings better representation. It's better financially for other schools that are involved instead of the same schools getting the same amount of money and getting to run the quote-unquote college football schedule. Um, but we'll never do that. Well, no. It's a pipe dream.
1: No. And, uh, <laughs> you know, the 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 proposal that I've heard most frequently is to expand the college football playoff. Um, so originally, like... For years upon years it was there were no playoffs because of the bowl games and they had to protect those and then they uh rigged this bowl championship series where they picked the top 2. Yeah. And nobody liked that because it was always SEC no matter what. And then they said well we'll go to a college football playoff and huh. in case you're wondering SEC schools have been in the 7 years that we've had the college football playoff SEC schools have been there. Eight times and we're, and in we're, seven years.
0: And I think what you're saying, just to give context, like you're not mad that SEC schools are getting there. You're mad yeah. that how Alabama is getting there.
1: Right. I'm not even like, Alabama has won three of the last national championships. In seven years. In seven years. They've been in the national championship game five times in the last seven years. Uh-huh. I would say that with the exception of one time, they deserved every one of them, like they their 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 talent, their perseverance, the way they were coached. They they performed and earned that spot, with the exception of one year.
0: Yeah, but now you're also getting into like the the machine that is college football, right? And, right. And I think so. Let's let's go. Let's move to this. Hold, hold on, oh, I, I
1: forgot to uh, I forgot to jump in with. So the the, the current proposal. Um, because when they only selected two teams, the argument from, from the, we call them group of five schools, the non-important ones, uh, was always, we can't do enough to get the computers to rank us in the top two. So they said, well, we'll, we'll, and, and, and they would, you know, like the highest that they would rank those schools is like three or four. So then they expanded it to a college football playoff of four teams. Right. And now the highest that they are ranking the group of five schools is Cincinnati at six. This is the highest Uh that they've ever ranked a a non-Power Five school. So the current proposal is, well, all right, then let's go to eight schools. But here's what's going to (laughs) happen. They're just going to keep moving the goalposts. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well and and that's that's your frustration and again my limited frustration because this is the thing that turns me off from college football and I also didn't go to like a college that had like a crazy football team right oh, like yeah. so I'm yeah. not invested but it is that thing of it's not even they're not even just moving the goalposts they're blatantly not following the criteria that they've proposed yeah like it's it's not even like this isn't a this isn't a well, things are up for interpretation. No, they have formulas and things in place where if they judged Alabama's this year, forget forget the last couple of years, if they looked at Alabama's year this year via this criteria, they would not be number two. No. They would not. And so it, it's a... And then you get into the sinister nature of scheduling and who they played and when they played them and how they were ranked when they played them and all these other things where we can put on all the tinfoil hats, but... I want to. I want us to move into this next point. So, sure. the reality of unfairness. Uh, you have to explain this first note you put on here because
1: obviously like, this is obvious. <laughs> in case list, dear listener, in case this has never been told to you, the world is not fair. Mm-hmm. I'm not. You know. While we are, while I am jumping up and down figuratively, because I'm still seated about how unfair it is that Cincinnati is at number six and Alabama is at number two, I realize this is an unfair world. And um, there's, there's, there is no reason to expect that it should be fair, that, that Cincinnati should get its fair chance. That's, that's not the world we live in.
0: Adam is not jumping up and down, but he's definitely talked more with his hands today than he ever has on
1: any of our podcasts. <laughs> I'm very I'll, animated. So, so go going to the next thing you have. Yeah. So, um, so part of my personal story is that I grew up in what we call generational poverty. And when people hear about poverty, most frequently people associate that with like a lack of money. And poverty is, is, is not even primarily a lack of money. Um, as a matter of fact, for people who, who exist in generations of poverty, money is completely useless and meaningless. Uh, it's the, it it, it ab- absolutely is the most worthless thing in our world. Um, so the primary lack in generational poverty is a lack of hope because of the perception and validated perception That no matter what happens, no matter how hard you try, no matter what you do, the system is always going to work against you, and you can never get out of what you're stuck in. Mm. Um, So the analogy that I most often use to help people understand what I'm talking about with generational poverty is, imagine you're in school, and... You're, 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 you're trying your best. You're studying. You're reading. You're doing the homework. And you come in one day, and the teacher says, we're going to have a pop quiz today. And this pop quiz is going to determine whether or not you pass or fail the class. Just this pop quiz. <laughs> and to make sure that the pop quiz um, is fair, everybody gets a different test. But don't worry. On this pop quiz, you only have to get nine correct answers. That's it. Get nine correct answers and you have passed this pop quiz. And the teacher slides you your test and it's face down and you're thinking to yourself, okay, I I can do this. (laughs) Well, crap. (laughs) I've I've been studying. I've been working. Yeah. I'm ready for this moment. Mm -hmm. And then you flip over your test and there are eight questions. On, 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 a different class. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And it doesn't matter if you get all eight questions correct, because that wasn't the bar. The bar was nine correct answers. Mm-hmm. And so this is why people in generational poverty are often, I mean, the inheritance is anger and helplessness. This is why you see such vandalism of, of, of own property because there's such an anger that everything about the system was rigged against you, and then people are telling you that you were worthless because you couldn't succeed in a system that was unwinnable. Mm. I mean, I, under, I resonate with, with teams like Cincinnati, and a couple of years ago, um, I said the one exception that uh, Alabama did not deserve their championship. The one exception was a year that um, everybody that made the the college football playoff had one loss, but there was an undefeated group of five school that wasn't invited into the college football playoff. The SEC got two schools in Alabama didn't even play for their conference championship and they were allowed in. And so this undefeated university of central Florida Went on and beat the team that beat Alabama. Uh huh. Yeah, UCF, right? UCF declared themselves that. national champions because they were the only undefeated team. So I understand the anger and the frustration because it didn't matter that they did everything they were supposed to do and they, they ended the year perfect. Didn't mm-hmm. matter because the system was set up so that it, they're going to lose and that's the only outcome. And that's what people in generational poverty struggle with: is you are going to lose. That's the only outcome.
0: Yeah, that's a hey. Thanks for sharing, man. Yeah, uh, but that's a, and it's that. Uh, I, I there's another emotion I want to I want to tie in there that I think is really important, and it's betrayal. So mm. when you when you do what is required, right? We we call it things like goalpost moving, or we call it things like. Um, hidden information, or the instructions are unclear, right? And so you do the thing that's either perceived or um, or is asked of you in the capacity, the capacity in which it was asked, and then it doesn't work out, and you're told that that's not good enough, but you were not provided a different out or a different uh, uh, opportunity or, or whatever you want to call it, right? And so um, for me, like where we do this spiritually right when we as we transition this into the kind of spiritual part of the conversation uh i think that's one of the things that's so difficult about that is you um what is your alternative what's your recourse if if your environment right is one of hopelessness or it's unfair um or your circumstances so so the contrast you gave right was we're talking about college football yeah now i'm not playing college football i don't have kids involved in college football my livelihood is not attached to college football i'm not in charge of uh the camaraderie of covid stuff and then trying to get students and parents and people like to bond back over college football like i love sports i'm just not in this one so like that whole culture's just lost on me yeah Fine. So, like, I have no attachment to this. But, uh, <laughs> to to what you're saying, right? Like, if you've got a school like Cincinnati, and, and we're saying, well, it's just college football. It's really not that big a deal. But the emotional consequence of that is a big deal.
1: It's huge.
0: And it is a representation of... Deeper, darker, more sinister things. Hence the, let me tell you about my life growing up in generational poverty. I don't really know a person who would equate the college football playoffs to generational poverty uh, (laughs) unless there was something deeper that we're trying to discuss. Exactly.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you know, what we want to advocate for is equity. And and Kelly, would you kind of take (laughs) us through what, what do you, what is your understanding of equity? So here's here.
0: I'm going to give you what I perceive as the equitable. What's equity in, uh, um, I say worldly, not like tongue in cheek, like the world, uh, but in a, in a cultural or historical context, right? Like our current cultural context. And then what I consider the spiritual context of equity, because, Kingdom economics and kingdom equity is different than world equ- equity. Absolutely. Okay. So, what I think equity is, or the best way to decide, define it culturally, um, is uh, it's not equal outcome; it's equal opportunity. Right. That's how we would how we would. And so, one of the things we're currently dealing with in our culture is we we have conversations around equality, and I'm not like. I don't want to go down that road, so I don't want you mad at me when I say, like, it's not that I don't believe in that, but I think the place to start is with equity because I think the direct consequence of appropriate equity with people then turns into more equality. It turns into, like, the snowball rolls into, like, if you have equal opportunity and equal resource and equal infrastructure, that's right, then at some point the direct consequence of that over time is more equality. It's better wages. It's crawling out of generational pro- poverty it's it's better educa- it's all these other things right we don't do that no not at all our our i mean i'll step in it today so our <laughs> political institutions our economic institutions our educational and healthcare institutions our cultural institutions are fund- founded upon this idea of we don't do this and we we will refuse to do it
1: um kingdom equity when me, he says kingdom, he's meaning kingdom of God, like kingdom of God. So what, here's the spiritual what Orthodox Christianity claims.
0: And here, and I'm going to go off on a little bit of a, a side note here of what what is is I, I when I was talking to Adam about this. What's bothering Adam about this is it's Adam's spiritual awakening, right? Like Christianity, like God in you, like your understanding, mm-hmm. your worldview, what's irking you about the college football playoffs has nothing to do with college football or it might have some to do very little but it's 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 hitting that part of you that's like this is unjust right right and so so and and listener you can take that emotion and we'll walk through this more but you can apply it to so much of what you see and how to how to kind of rectify or hold those things in tension so kingdom of god equity is directly tied to your identity in god and so here's what's really interesting about equity and cultural or world standards of there's an investment that's made that needs to be made good, right? We have a, we have a consequence of that equity, right? Is, uh, people coming out of poverty. These are the things we look for positive trends. Yes. Kingdom, in my opinion, kingdom equity is God goes, you're my kid. And so the inheritance and in all the things are given at that moment, not because you have to then like, and, and the proof of that, right? We could talk about the proof of that is fruit. But at the moment of conversion, you are equal and have full equity in the household of God with all the other kids, whether you just got there, whether somebody else went before you, whether you have different gifts and graces than other people, you are immediately in kingdom standards, uh, full equity. Yes. Uh, you, You have full opportunity. You have full, everything is the same at that point. And I think we get that confused at times with equality and equity. And I go, one of the things that's so hard about that is it's not equal outcome, but it's equal starting point. And so prodigal son is a fantastic story of like equity, right? Like they are treated fairly and they are given the same. Right. And then the older son like gets mad because he's like, but you didn't give me this. And the dad's like, yeah, but you had that like last Tuesday and then the Tuesday before that you <laughs> had that. And so, um, but but we struggle with this because uh, for me, our understanding of equity and where we get frustrated, whether we know how to label this with vocabulary or not, is when we see injustice. Because for me, equity and I'd argue equality are directly tied to our understanding and our perception of something being unjust. So here in the to loop it back to college football, we have a system in place that uh, is almost blatantly like not fulfilling the standards that it has said it would fulfill. Uh, people are not being treated fairly, um, and it's and it's creating this like bitter taste of well, the competition is no longer like sacred. Like it's not it's not that it's not even unfair. The system is now designed to keep you out of the reward and the benefit. So again, the equity of the kingdom of God is you are given full reward, full benefit, full opportunity at the moment of conversion. I think world equity functions a little bit more of like prove it. And then you can have more or what and sometimes. Yeah. And equity,
1: and, and to kind of circle it back to, to, to as an, another example of college football, um, so I'm going to point to to not this season's CFP, but last year's. So last year, um, Cincinnati attained what was at that time the highest spot ever for a group of five school. Mm-hmm. They were number seven. Um, they were number seven despite being undefeated. They were behind a an Iowa State team that lost at home by 17 points to an unranked uh, group of five school. And so in one week, Cincinnati was behind, was was number seven behind um, Iowa State that has two losses. The next week, Cincinnati doesn't play. Cincinnati drops from seven to eight because they didn't play. A team that was ahead of them, Florida, lost to a sub-500 team at home and moves down one spot, maintaining a spot above Cincinnati. And Iowa State moves up despite not playing ahead of Cincinnati. So -hmm. so this is what we're talking about when we're talking about the, the way that this isn't an equal opportunity this isn't this is, is is and what we see in these things is i think what sparks the the cry of injustice from people is we have this sense in in which the world is not the way it was intended to be
0: so this is my wheelhouse adam adam knows this this is the stuff that i I don't lecture Adam on because he already knows it, but like when we have conversations in our personal lives or we're talking about spiritual things, like this is like my box, right? This is the, I scream from the rooftops about this. So as a Christian, and what you deal with, whether you are aware of this or not, what is unlocked in your person is your soul. Your soul is now communing with God at the moment of conversion. That's full equity, full opportunity full status and inheritance in the family. So the thing you've inherited, one of the things is you are now keenly aware that the world is not right. Right, Sin is, and, and I say it like as sin is winning, not that it's won, it's going to win the war, but there's battles that are being fought currently where you're like, that's not God's intention for that thing. And if you are not careful learning how to hold those things in tension is really difficult. This is where I think like when we talk about Christianity being hard, it's because as we're being refined to be more like our creator, right, to be more like Christ, what you're wrestling with is things in you that are not in love with God or living into your inheritance get challenged by the unjustice or the injustice, the injustice in the world and these things. And so then at the same time, you're not only just concerned with your person, the God's, the spirit of God in you is also concerned with the condition of other people and other things. So when you get into these situations and you're like, but it's college football, why do I care so much about this? Adam, Adam cares about college. I'm not going to pretend like Adam doesn't care about college football but I'm not a huge college football but fan. But what Adam is bristling against is that it's unjust. That is not its intended purpose. And it also strokes the other trauma you have of, I know oppressive systems. I know oppressive things. And you're, and you're changing the criteria after you have told everybody what they need to do. And not only is that not, not fair, I'm going to go a little bit further here, it's, it's wrong. It's evil. And and so people don't think like and we're like oh college football is total evil. What we're talking about is the manifestation of sin. Yeah. Because what 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 you're battling against and people think well sin is just like you being a terrible person and I go no sin sin is this oppressive thing. We can talk about the personification of sin and and this, the biblical narrative about Satan. We can talk about it people and they're like wandering from God and then like. Uh, pursuing their own things we can talk about infrastructural systems and and political systems that that as sin manifests in those things you see like oh the consequence of this is like death and oppression and like generational poverty and 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 you can do all these things and we can label all these things but what i'm getting at all the way back to adam goes that's wrong and it's not because cincinnati isn't making the playoffs it's because Cin- the system told Cincinnati what they needed to do, and they did it, and the system is now changing itself to protect its own interest, which is corrupt. Yeah, and that's a problem.
1: That's a problem. And to be fair, I mean that's that's the human that's that's what humanity has struggled with from the beginning. This is the this um, changing changing the rules to fit ourselves. This this corruption of we got to protect us we got to hoard for us and this is where the the equity of the kingdom of god changes things in us and look i don't think that kelly or i living into the fullness that god has for us is going to ever have any impact on such a thing as college football that's and i don't think if that's, the, not anyway. that, that's not our goal anyway. That's not our goal anyway. I mean, we got bigger goals than that, believe it or not. <laughs> but I don't think that, you know, this isn't a, oh, well, we get a million people to write a petition or two million. This isn't how that works. Um, what we do, though, is we transform. Our, we, as we are transformed by the work of the Holy Spirit, we change the cultures around us and raising the temperature of that water changes things at the bigger level. Yeah,
0: yeah. Here, here's the deal. We just, uh, Texas, uh oh, everyone knows where we live now. Um, so in Texas, right, voting was this week. That's true. Right. So I vote. I vote my conscience. I vote for my, my, my lens of Christianity. Like, I, those things inform. Like, my politics aren't Christianity, but my Christianity does absolutely inform my worldview. Yeah. Right? Um, But, like, I don't leave the work of equity in the kingdom to political institutions. Because political institutions are not kingdom institutions. Sorry, y'all, if that's offensive, but that's not how this works. God didn't, like, redeem me and set me on a path of being a, an agent of peace, being a peacemaker, right? And loving people like Christ love people so that I would defer my power and my authority to other people and other things and institutions so they would do the work and I can just like come to church on Sunday and then go home. That's not what this is. And now as, as much as I want there to be equity in college football, I'll have a circle of influence where I can do those things. Now that includes... Broadening my horizons and being more educated and learning things from people that aren't like me, don't look like me, don't sound like me, don't come from the same background I come from, right? Um, but at the same time, one of the things that's so hard is that we live in a culture that, in my opinion, not to the extent of generational poverty, but I would argue from a Christian perspective, lives in the same perspective. Mm. this is why this a little bit more so like me. this last year right everybody's screaming about how their rights are being impeded upon like well well we're gonna lose our right to worship and i go where what are you talking about we're victims and i go you might feel like a victim
1: ah uh, i see maybe, what you're saying now.
0: and maybe part of because what you grew up in was different you were a victim yeah. Of, of an inheritance of something you inherited. What I'm talking about is at the moment God redeems your soul and puts you on the path of repentance and sanctification, you are now a victor. You win. You are coming from a position and a place of power. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to learn or that you're perfect. You're being made perfect onto perfection. But what I'm getting at is you don't sit there and go, life isn't fair. Life doesn't happen to you. You happen to it. Correct. So I think one of the struggles is in Christianity that I see a lot of is that we worship the idols of the institutions mm. that have, have for, and it's not saying that, and again, young kid, like, you hate all the things that went before you. No, I love them, and I think they have rich cultural traditionalist history, and we should celebrate those things and hold, thing, hold those things in tension as we move into the next thing. But it doesn't mean that some point along the way they didn't become idols, that we lost our focus, and they're no longer... We live to serve the institution instead of the living God. So we've moved away from going, hey, how can we... Be agents of equitable change for people,
1: and we're waiting for somebody else to do it. Ah, now there's the tie-in that I, because that was Adam was staring at me. He's like, "Dude, where are you going?" And then, was, then it actually, I was actually. I was like, "This, we're rabbit trailing. We're rabbit trailing. What's the code word? What's the code word?"
0: Pineapple, pineapple,
1: pineapple, pineapple. <laughs> <laughs> but no, and I think that's that's absolutely, um, and that's. I think that's one of the hard things for people to learn. Mm-hmm. You know, if I, if I'm 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 going to maybe close with this as a biblical analogy, one of the things for a lot of people, if you've ever read the story of the Exodus, when God led the holy the, the his people out of bondage and slavery and literally immediately they fall back into patterns of sin and immediately reject the Lord who just just rescued them. And everyone looks at that and they go, well, how could they possibly? Friends, what I want you to hear is there is a huge difference between having your shackles removed and being freed. So when we talk about equity and we talk about it from a kingdom perspective, the reality, uh, the spiritual reality, is that the moment you're You are awakened to Christ the moment that 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 you're all in you have that that status, but you still have to be taught for a lot of us like for me it's still a process to to learn how to live into that because that's not what I have anything of a frame of reference for and so we don't want you I don't want you to to, to get the impression that um if you have been uh, uh, an actual victim, not, not merely a perceived victim, mm. um, that, yes. that, that suddenly, you know, oh, well, no, the, the, the flip has been switched. You go on your happy, merry way. No, it, it, did you say the flip has been switched? The flip has been switched. The switch has been flipped. Yeah. <laughs> I like that that way. I think I, I like it better too. that way. Need that on a t-shirt. Buy our merch <laughs> that we don't have. Buy our merch. As you send emails to <laughs> do not email us at gmail.com. i love it it. so but what I, i think there is a learning that has to take place there is a sense in which you have to live into and practice and train and understand that the world isn't anymore for you what it once was even when the world is still these systems that are unrighteous unfair um, to close with a, 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 another college football analogy, the first time that I really ever paid attention to the fact that the fix was in with college football was when the little school beat the big school. And it was when Boise State beat Oklahoma um, in one of the major bowls with the Statue of Freaking Liberty play. In what I still consider to be the greatest play in college football history. <laughs> and that was, you know, so there are moments when you can see and, and, and striving toward the light while you see it. Yeah, I,
0: I to bring in another before I give my closing thought, that again, my boy LeBron is is a fantastic way for me to talk about equality and equity. Never heard of him. So LeBron and I are not equal. Athletically, and we never will be. There's no amount of surgery I could have <laughs> or training I could go through where I equate to the six foot nine uh robot. Like no. it's just not. But could LeBron and I have started the same spot? Right? Could could I have access to like coaching and figure out what my potential is in that environment? Uh, does that guarantee that I'm an MBA? all-time great no <laughs> never gonna happen uh i'm too fat for that but but i'm five foot but five. that's what i mean by equity is is and people who know LeBron are like but he started so terribly yes um but what i'm getting at is that's what i mean by equity i'm not interested in being lebron james because i will never be equal to him in that but i can be treated fairly that's the equity yes okay so closing thought um I I love that you touched on like uh people who've been really deeply hurt. The call that I'm making is not that you just go, Oh, I'm fine. No, that's that's it's not even remotely close. In fact, it's the exact opposite is you know, you now have equity to go to God with that pain and that hurt and go to therapy and counseling and demand accountability and, and safe space so that you can process. That's that's part of kingdom equity. Like that's that's what God wants, right? Uh but at the but this is kind of the my big beef with Christianity that I encounter so often is it's um it reminds me a lot of what you experienced in generational poverty. Is the inheritance that Christians I meet get is one of victimhood. Mm, it's yeah. not power, it's not authority, it's not all these things have been given unto you. It's not Jesus talking to the disciples and saying, greater things than these you will do. It's this, life is pain, and your pain dictates your response. Mm. We as Christians are called to and designed to function with a kingdom mindset, and that's hard because we are trying to participate in the kingdom that God is bringing here, but it's not fully realized yet. So you will struggle. You will suffer. There will be pain. <laughs> and uh, the Christian, in my opinion, that final thought, that really pursues intimacy with God in Christ this way, um, we sing worship songs. God, break our heart.
1: For what breaks yours? Y'all. You are so old. <laughs> Y'all. The,
0: when you become a part of the family, you will have anger in you. You will, you will have an, an, an affinity for, un, for injustice and it will bother you. God wants to use you as an agent of change your circle of influence is where you start. You, actually, you and your own person with God is where you start. That's where you your start. identity and your yeah. worth and value in that and how you understand that and then that overflows into your direct circle of influence. Um, focus there. Adam and I can't change college football, but I'll tell you right now if I like had if I was working at Cincinnati, I'd be pastoring the students. Mm. Yeah, I'd be trying to give them care and be like, hey, I get it. And I'd be calling it unfair. Yeah. But I wouldn't be giving them the out to not play their guts out when they played. Well, it's unfair, so why would we play? Because you're better than that. You're worth more than that. The equity that God has given you and the identity and the worth and the value that you have means that you're better than rolling over and dying. Right.
1: I'm Adam, (laughs) this is Kelly, (laughs) and remember, burn it down.